It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Once again, as last week from the book of Daniel, this time we're in chapter three. We're going to go to verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to worship my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, Your Majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, may the words from my mouth speak to our hearts what you would have us hear this day. Amen. So in last week's message, we took a look at the first chapter of Daniel and examined how Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were able to live faithfully in a culture that made it very difficult for them to remain faithful to God. Remember how they were brought over as captives to a foreign land, to be indoctrinated into the Babylonian ways. We looked at how they were able to stand strong in their beliefs while also remaining humble and respectful. And I hope that the main point that we took from last week is that living faithfully in an unfaithful world isn't about legalism, that big long list of do's and don'ts, but rather about a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Because if we're walking with God, then we're more responsive to those gentle nudgings on our hearts. When I was playing sports in high school, I was blessed with some outstanding coaches who were great at giving us as players the proper technique in order to succeed. I especially remember Coach Shoemaker and his football staff. I'm sure some of you played for him who are here. And he would emphasize the technique is the most important building block of a team. And I'm sure Coach Schrock's back there. I, I would assume that soccer requires some kind of technique as well. I don't. So. So he probably instills that in his teams as well. Of course, those camps start tomorrow. And, and I remember that at the start of each camp, the coaching staff would have us go through these slow motion drills. Drove me crazy. Of blocking and tackling. Slow motion, step by step. Now you'd think by high school, we would know the basics of how to block and how to tackle, but the staff wanted to make sure that the technique that we used was second nature to us. 
that our bodies were trained to do it the right way, we didn't even have to think about it because we practiced it time and time and time again. And the reason you don't want to have to think about technique during the game is that a game plan never goes according to how you lay it out or draw it up. There are always problems, there's bad calls, there's injuries, there's unfortunate bounces, there's just chaos on the field and in those moments you don't want to have to be thinking about basic technique. You just need to be able to react. It needs to be second nature at that point. And when I read the book of Daniel I'm amazed at these young men and how living faithfully amidst that cultural chaos that they encountered came so naturally to them. First of all, friends, that doesn't just happen. These were men. These weren't supernatural creatures. The reason it came naturally to them and, and seemed like it was second nature is because they worked at it. They talked to God. They prayed on a regular basis. They got into his scriptures on a regular basis. And of course, they had the benefit of the Old Testament. We've got the benefit of the Old and New Testament that we can draw from. So in the account last week, we see them choosing not to eat the king's food and instead choosing a healthier way not because they wanted to embarrass the other Jews or because they thought that this was just some law that was that they, they felt the call of God to eat and therefore live differently than the rest and look it worked out well they didn't get much push, pushback from the king and his staff because at the end of the day they were healthier they accomplished more and they immediately rose to the top of the class in terms of knowledge and wisdom. All those Jews that had been brought over in captivity, these guys shot up to the cream of that crop. And we found, if you remember, King Nebuchadnezzar said they were ten times more capable than any of his magicians or enchanters. So this was fantastic for these young men. First of all, they showed faithfulness to God. And after they showed that faithfulness, they were rewarded in both their personal and their professional lives. And that's what can happen. When we live faithfully, there can be those life rewards and affirmations, even from a world that doesn't believe the way we do. However, there is a reason why this is a two-part series. Because although God's plan for our lives is perfect, and if we live faithfully and walk closely with Jesus and we respond to the nudging of the Holy Spirit, we will certainly have a fulfilled life. But I don't want you to think that there isn't a cost to living faithfully in an unfaithful world. Because friends, there is always a cost. In Daniel chapter 2, we find that Daniel was appointed by Nebuchadnezzar to be ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief over all the king's wise men. Not bad for a young man that was brought over in captivity to Babylon. And at Daniel's request, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were asked to be put in charge of the affairs of the province of Babylon. Now when we say affairs, this involves financial affairs, trade with other nations, foreign policy, anything that was considered an affair of the kingdom. Folks, these were top-level government positions that were bestowed upon these men. That's how impressed the king was with these fellows. They weren't even native Babylonians. But ultimately there was someone who was even more impressive to King Nebuchadnezzar. That was King Nebuchadnezzar. This guy had an ego the size of Manhattan. He was in love with himself. In fact, he had this gold statue built. And this thing was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And this statue represented himself. 
Now we don't know if the image was exactly Nebuchadnezzar, but it represented his greatness, and he made himself into a god. And after he had this thing built, he put it up uh, on the plain of Dura, and he gathered all of his top government officials, who would have included Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all there. And he stands back and he has everybody around him. He looks at this huge statue that he's built of himself and he says, Man, this, this puppy's pretty impressive. We need to, we need to come up with something to, to really celebrate this. Here's an idea. Whenever my favorite song is played anywhere in the kingdom, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you drop it and you bow towards this statue. What do you guys think? Well... <laughs> Not too many of those government officials, I'm sure, were willing to say, gee, that's a stupid idea. <laughs> I think they knew the king well enough not to say that. So out the decree went. And this decree had a pretty harsh penalty to go along with it. Because if you disobeyed and you didn't bow to the statue, you were going to be burned alive. Now that's a pretty significant punishment. And I find it interesting that nothing is stated in this account about Daniel or his three friends even going to the king in a private moment and saying, look, I, this, is, this is a shaky idea at best. And I think that follows what we read last week and what we've seen throughout Daniel thus far. It's like Travis said, these, these men were in the world, they were part of it, but they lived differently while within it. But they also understood, look, this is the king. If he wants to make this decree, if he wants to build this statue, that's his prerogative. But we don't have to follow it. I think it goes right in line with what we saw from last week. There were no demands, there were no threats, no marching in the streets to drum up opposition. They just knew in their hearts they could not obey this decree without first betraying the God they served. As we consider how these young foreigners vaulted to the top of the king's government, it's certainly easy to understand that they made some enemies along the way. Can you imagine how jealous the other members of the government who they passed over to get into these new positions felt? I'm sure there was a lot of bitterness there. And they were looking for any way to damage the credibility of these men. And now they had their chance because the first time the music played, a couple of them were watching. And when the music played, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just kept walking. There would be no bowing to this statue. So these guys went back to the king, the, the jealous members of the government. And they said, you remember, king, when you issued that decree? It wasn't all that long ago. You said that everybody had to, had to bow to your statue when the music plays. And do you remember that part? about anyone who doesn't obey needs to be thrown into this blazing furnace. Because these Jews that you put in charge, King, they're not obeying. So then we pick up at verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. Now this next part I find very interesting because I believe at that point even the king was having second thoughts. I mean, these guys weren't just in positions because he wanted them there. They were doing good work for him. They were keeping his affairs in order. And he didn't just say, look, take them away and throw them into the furnace. They just, I'm sure any Joe Schmo that would have been brought up, that's how it would have happened. But here he was thinking. He actually gave them a second chance. So as they come before him, he says, listen, boys, 
You guys are smart kids. Are you really going to throw your life away for this? Tell you what, I'll make a deal. I'm going to have them play that music again. Let's give this another try. When you hear that music, bow down before the statue and all is forgiven. And then he challenges them. But know this, if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power. Friends, there will be times when the option for nuance and subtlety is gone. Last week we observed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego quietly living out their faith in a way that didn't call attention to themselves and it went unchallenged by the king but now the challenge was there with the full force of a death sentence behind it. Bow before another god or die. Now in this country our challenges aren't quite so dramatic when it comes to taking a stand for God. Nobody's threatened to burn us alive. However, we do need to understand that in some parts of the world, this is still going on. There are brother and sister Christians throughout the world who just because of their faith, and not even Christians, but any religion, who because of their faith could be imprisoned, could be tortured, could be executed. So we need to understand that. But we also need to know that here, right now, while we might ha not have the threat of imprisonment, torture, or the death penalty, we certainly do have plenty of idols to pick from that we're being asked to bow down to. And in our culture, it's not just, quote, immorality. You know, those really bad things that we know to be against God's law. That's not the only thing that's pulling us away from God. In many cases, it are things that are not necessarily evil by any stretch of the imagination, but they become more important to us than our spiritual walk. And I'm speaking to myself more than I'm speaking to anybody else. These are our hobbies, our careers, our possessions, our money, the pirates or the stealers, even our church. It's a lot of things that become more important than our walk with God. Now let's get back to this big question though that these three Jews were confronted with on this particular day. If you're given the choice to fall completely in line with the culture, or stand alone with God, what would you choose? You see, the king wasn't ordering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to do something out of the ordinary. He wasn't saying, listen, I want you to hire you guys as my hitmen for the palace. He's not asking them to do anything out of the ordinary. He's saying, just do what everyone else is doing, guys. Just fall in line. Everybody else is doing it here in the kingdom. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy. Just bow. You want to have your, your God? That's fine. But for this time, just do what everyone else is doing. Just fall in line with the rest of the culture. Don't be different. Now that's a message that I think we can relate to and that we're used to hearing. Just get on board with the culture. Doesn't matter if you don't agree with the direction the world's going. You need to evolve in your thoughts or just keep your mouth shut. And as Christians, we can relate to that. And I'm not saying we don't grow in our belief and things that we thought 10 years ago we might think differently now. I'm not saying that. That comes with getting to know God better. But many times we choose to either evolve in our thoughts to keep everybody else happy or we just choose to keep quiet. It's just easier that way. 
And look, we're not really hurting anybody. We'll just live the fight another day and maybe eventually those cultural trends will start to come back in our favor, turn around on their own. But look at these three Jews. Now, it had to be going through their mind to be thinking this way. They had to be looking for this easy way out. It had to be there. The thoughts had to be there. Let's just bow to this stupid statue. It doesn't mean anything to us. God knows our hearts. And after all, can't we do far more for Him in these positions of authority than we can if we're dead? I can relate to that. I can hear them thinking that. But as the king gave them their final ultimatum, they provided what I feel is one of the greatest examples of faith in the entire Bible. Verse 16, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But here's what I believe to be most important and one of the most powerful lines in all of Scripture. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. But even if he doesn't. Now knowing that the God you serve will rescue you from a violent death is certainly a special kind of faith. But how about acknowledging that you don't know if that God will save you from the death and yet you are still refusing to walk away from what you know to be true. Friends, that's the kind of faith that I aspire to possess. I hope that's the kind of faith that we all aspire to possess. Now, I purposely did not read the rest of this account this morning in Daniel 3. Because the lesson to take from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can be found right there in the words, but even if he doesn't. Now, we know that God did, in fact, rescue the three friends. We know that the king ordered the furnace to be so hot that it actually killed the guards who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace. We know that Nebuchadnezzar was so impressed by what he saw in the rescue that he rescinded the decree and instead ordered that the whole kingdom worship the god of Shadrach and the boys, at least until the next time he got distracted with a new whim. And he rescinded that degree as well. But that outcome doesn't always occur. And I want to stress that. Sometimes we find in Scripture the death penalty is, in fact, carried out. The Christians in Rome are fed to the lions and they watch their children in the Colosseum get ripped apart by wild dogs. We saw the disciples martyred one by one, one after another. And we even see Jesus, who after sweating drops of blood in the garden and pleading to his Father, please take this cup from me. I don't want to do it. And yet he too was crucified. What a great example of walking faithfully in an unfaithful world. And as we strive to walk faithfully in an unfaithful world and culture, we must acknowledge that God can reverse the cultural trends by his own hand. He can elevate Christians to positions of leadership and power throughout the world. And he could protect the church. And when I say the church, I don't mean the buildings. I mean he can protect the body of Christ throughout the world from attack and persecution. We know that to be a fact. But what we need to understand is this. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, 
we must still hold fast to what we know to be true. There's a big difference in hoping something is true and knowing it's true. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that what they were taught from childhood on about God was true. They knew of his power. They knew of his commands. They understood his commands. They walked it. They breathed it. They lived it. It was second nature to them. And as we witnessed in the account last week, they even walked faithfully with God as they chose not to eat the king's food. They walked faithfully with God even as they were promoted to positions of authority within the kingdom and treated like royalty themselves, had the red carpet rolled out for them. And they continued to walk faithfully when their very lives were on the line. And it didn't matter to them whether God would intervene on their behalf or not. They would walk faithfully even to their deaths. Brothers and sisters, most of us, let's face it, probably none of us, will ever face anything like a blazing furnace. But we will all face the calls of our culture to bow down when the music plays. And if we choose to follow God and ignore those calls, understand that there will be consequences. Even if we handle every situation with the grace, humility, and wisdom that we've seen from these accounts, look even today. As the king lays down this ultimatum, what do you keep hearing? Your majesty. Your majesty. They're still being respectful to him. I think I would have lost that touch at that point. As soon as they would have started talking about putting me to death and I knew that was my fate anyway, I'd have said, you know what? You can take that statue. <laughs> but not these three. But even if we handle every situation with that grace and that humility and that wisdom, even if we handle it as best we can, we know that we could still lose friends. We can still alienate family. We can still be ridiculed in the media. We can suffer at our workplace. We can no longer be considered part of the in crowd. And I'm not going to minimize any of those consequences because they carry with them real hurt and real pain. But whether it's any of those things or if it comes down to actually giving our lives, Will we still honor him, as it says in our first scripture this morning, by offering ourselves as a living, ongoing, living, and holy sacrifice? In a world that will always pull us away from our faith, will always challenge our beliefs, may our prayer be that God would rescue and restore us in times of trouble. But may we also add with great boldness and great assurance but even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we will never walk away from him or his love for us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.